welcome to the Calibri Games podcast. Thank you for joining us for another exciting week. This week's topic is AdOps and UA being advertising operations and user acquisition. Very excited to be here with you for it. I am Lauren Wade and I am joined today by, of course, the inestimable Nate Parker. Nate Barker. <laughs> I don't know if that was a lead in for me to say my name, but I, I jumped right there. It, well, it, 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 the only good. one I know of all of the lead ins, just my own name. Other than that, I'm, I guess I'm <laughs> a little lost in the dark here. Uh, fortunately, today uh, we have two amazing guests that are going to help us find our way out of this uh, uh, dark and mysterious forest of user acquisition and monetization. First, uh, from outside, um, we have Tony Dean. Uh, Tony Dean is the manager of business development at App Eleven. Fun fact about Tony, uh, he is fluent in Irish, um, which I learned a few nights ago, uh, and he taught us um, some phrases, which I forgot. Uh, but <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> there was, uh, no, it was qu quite cool. Um, Tony, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So tell us um, what you do at AppLevin, uh, how you came to be there, and uh, what, what AppLevin is for those of those of the audience who don't know. Sure, yeah. Um, so AppLevin is a leading marketing platform. It provides like a suite of solutions to help developers grow their own games. Like, we also have our own studios that create apps for millions of users around the world. So like holistically, we enable like, developers to bring their apps to more people by providing solutions that ignite the growth of their mobile apps and really accelerate their business. So myself personally, I work with like a lot of the world's leading developers to help them monetize, optimize, and then ultimately scale their games. So yeah, I've been here for around four years right now. Um, and it's been an incredibly exciting experience all along the way. Purely because you get to work with us, of <laughs> oh, course. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, previously you were at uh, Swerve too, and you've, you were a lawyer at yeah. one point, so you've kind of been, uh, yeah, you yeah. put your years in. Yeah, you've been around. Um, well, it's, it's awesome to have you here. And I would like to say, uh, it is a bit fun for me to, to be interviewing, interviewing you specifically, because I think we've done a lot of like podcasts and panels where I'm on the other side of it. And I am, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so now I get to ask all those like hard questions. Um, exactly. <laughs> but you look very relaxed. So. He's got his little black book with all of the difficult questions you've ever asked him, and he's going to throw them Come all right back at you. you. <laughs> what is it like to be an American at a German company? Oh, wait, never mind. That's not going to work. Here. Um, so, um, but also, um, we are quite excited to have one of Colibri's own as well. We have Stephen Mueller, uh, who is the marketing and creatives manager for us here at Colibri. Hi, Stephen. Hey. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. So I'm only here for one year now but still uh, managing all creatives, so videos, playables, images, everything you can imagine or see as ads um, everywhere um, is managed by me. So, and also for all games. So we have like now more and more games and also um, for all games, be they smaller or bigger. Um, yeah, I'm the one managing the production and also then handing them over to our UA managers. Thank you. Yeah, well, it was awesome to have you here. Um, and it's super helpful to have that um, expertise across multiple games, big and small. Um, I think it gives like a really good um, uh, range of um, perspectives to see, you know, what works on the big ones, what works on the small ones, um, uh, everything in between. We have uh, quite a few questions we're going to dig into um, around the topic of, of user acquisition first and, uh, and ad operations. But maybe we could start with a, a bigger, broader one for those um, just tuning in. Um, and uh, let's define what is what is user acquisition and ad operations. This is the softball you get, the one softball <laughs> in the beginning. So user acquisition is just how it's like a 
just you work together. You want to get more users to your game. And there are different ways, different channels, and different approaches you can uh, do that. Um, they do try to reach certain people. Um, so if it, this could be ba based on age, gender, um, preferences. So you always try to find people who are interested in in your product or in your game at the end of the day. And yeah, that's user acquisition. And AdOps is the later part of that. So I already want to jump to the next point. AdOps is my strength here. Um, so yeah, um, I will now maybe let Tony also say his side of user acquisition if he wants to add that as well. Yeah, sure. I think you covered a lot of, well, uh, basically all of it there. But um, what I find really interesting about it, I suppose, is that it's really the intersection of multiple different, like multidisciplinary teams, like from performance marketers to creatives to developers as well. And having a team that is able to understand how everything plays plays into each other and helps drive more users to your game. Um, it can be like page away as well. It can be like app store optimization. Um, what's even becoming more interesting now is how the monetization side really is fitting into your acquisition. And it's become more important for everybody on the UA side to really understand how their game monetizes and the kinds of players they're trying to bring into the game. So if we've now mastered user acquisition, which we have in the last five minutes, we're now pulling everybody into our game and getting them all to come back. What are we doing with these ad operations, the ad ops? What, what purpose is that serving? What's it doing? Yeah, so that's my, uh, I will just jump into that. Um, so... Um, for me, it's like we are not even there. So uh, in terms of user acquisition, is also like like AdOps is a part of that. So you you want to get the people into the game, and that's by showing ads and at best showing them as attractive as possible to the user. Um, it can be really targeted, so that you have like really targeting one certain kind of um, player, for example, who are more into discovery. So you show them a certain creative uh, or feature of your game in this creative um, as clearly and as best as possible. It can be sometimes be broader. And so AdOps is really trying to make the best performing creative, um, which gets the most users interested in your game. And there's a lot of things you have to think about when you make uh, creatives. This could be length, uh, amount of characters. You can go really in depth about like also A-B testing and a lot of uh, ground you can cover with creatives, which may not be obvious because people think, hey, let's make a video out of our game a nice, good, we have one, but that's enough. Um, it's often not the case, at least if you want to optimize on creatives, you definitely want to push out different tests, trying to understand even something like color or sound effects or music or um, just a small person in the corner of the video reacting to your, to your game can already push uh, your KPIs to a next level. So, so since um, ads are kind of like the first window somebody has into um, our games, um, if, if we're looking at that, like, you know, I know that um, it's going to be a really key part of our strategy when it comes to user acquisition. Um, what kind of ads do we hear at, uh, at Colibri make? So um, in general, like if you go by the broadest way, it would be videos, playables um, and images. There would also be like animated images like GIFs would also be an option. But those are like the lesser important parts, the most uh, impactful are really uh, playables and videos. Do we make all of those in-house or do we use agencies or freelancers? Um, so we have a mix of both. So we currently produce in-house, mostly playables and videos, um, especially for our 3D games. And externally, we, externally, we produce uh, mostly images, also ASO. And also for our 2D games, we produce videos currently mostly outside. Um, 
we're freelancers in this case. What was ASO for those of us who aren't so versed in your lingo? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, app store optimization. Ah. So creating images which will be seen then in your potentially second contact or first contact, depending on how you get to the store. If you don't have an ad or if you don't see an ad, it's like an organic install. So if you see, just go through the store and see it and then it's like, oh, this looks interesting. That will be, in this case, organic and um, non-organic is what we do with ads, so to say. So those are like the difference also for um, in this regard. And yeah, and to try to optimize what's, what's appealing for users. This can be even sometimes just the order of how you place the images. Like maybe that one is more appealing in the first sight and other ones are better the last position of those images. Um, and Tony, um, at your side, um, you know, I know that you guys have a you've an ad network. You also um, are making some of your own games at Lion Studios. Um, what kind of ads are you guys making? Uh, sure. So we have um, an in-house design studio called Spark Labs, who are like a group of like experienced developers and designers and gamers that identify and create um, really high-performing creatives. Now, the focus really is on uh, videos and playables because they tend to be the highest performing in the market right now. They really enable you to tell a really clear story to viewers before about your game before they actually download it. So with videos and playables uh, clearly being the stuff that seems to perform really quite well and it gets people engaged with the, the story of the app and everything like that, um, does anybody here have any input on the ads and playables, which are perhaps not always one-to-one -one exactly what the apps are? So uh, I've seen this for plenty of other games that I play where I've seen an, uh, an ad for it, and it isn't exactly what the gameplay would be, but it's still a really engaging ad, and it still really gets me excited about it. So yeah, just uh, anybody got any opinions or insights on that particular tactic? For my side, like internally or for Colby itself, um, we have tried quite a lot of creatives to be honest here so um there are some i think what a lot of people have already seen uh, on their own phones which are like really far away from the gameplay oft called fake ad, uh, fake ads they didn't perform too well for us actually so especially extreme extreme ones don't often perform in our case at least um however what works for us is to show the game in a different perspective what we would normally do. So instead of showing the normal game as like a management for, I'm talking now about Idle Miner Tycoon, in this kind of management position, you show it in a more in-depth perspective. For example, that you have like a video of a miner being inside of the mine and getting like different upgrades throughout this uh, exploration of the mine, for example. So you have the, still the same spirit, which is a mining uh, focused game, but you don't have like this big management thing. So you have like different that's what I mentioned at the beginning, that you have like sometimes a different approach to it so that you have like, uh, sometimes you want to pe people who want to discover things and sometimes some people want to have a lot of management and overview and numbers, all of that stacked on top of each other on the screen. So you have, you have to always uh, target those players and a different perspective is really useful for that. Is it any different with AppLove in Tony? No, not really. Like I think um, there are these pulled up in type creatives that have been very much on the rage. Um, and the, I think they're very like short by creatives. So uh, not even just pull the pin ones, but they have messaging or mechanics that are really primarily aimed at getting a user to click. Um, but what happens is they also then yield like a very high drop off at the end. The users click, then there's very high click through rates because like the psychology around them is really built in. It's much more of a 
push psychology rather than like a pull psychology. It's trying to get you to do something or whatever that's going on right in the context of what's happening there. On the other hand, you have these kind of really beautiful ads um, that are very much relevant to the game. And there's like a narrative that you might watch to the end and you like know and you had like a great time and a great experience while watching it. But afterwards, you might potentially not be willing to commit to installing the game unless you're like absolutely the right user for that. Um, so when those users install, they tend to be higher quality. Um, so yeah, I think for like more sophisticated games, definitely we see a massive trend away from it towards these more relevant ads in like hyper casual, um, where the game mechanic is incredibly simple and the message that you're trying to get across is very simple. You can have more of these pull to pin type, um, things or somewhat misleading ads. I think even the best ones of those though, very much focus on the motivation that will get a player to install. Right. So for a puzzle games, having kind of a puzzle mechanic in the ad, even if it's not actually perfectly inside of there, um, it can be really effective. Like I think people like, let's say dream games can do this very well, where they have like a character um, that is about to like get killed um, in the game, unless you match like lots of, unless you continue to match or blast a load of tiles. Um, and that in some ways isn't exactly what's in the game, but you still get a very good understanding of the core gameplay and it really builds excitement as well. There's a balance to be had in telling a story and telling an accurate story in order to get really relevant users inside of your game. We have a lot of options about um, the types of ads we can make, but a, a limited team in terms of what we can actually accomplish, um, even with freelancers in any given time. Um, so that brings me to the question, how many ads do we actually make in an average month? Like, is this, can we just like pump them out by the hundreds or um, is each ad, you know, does each ad take a month to do? Um, yeah. So from our side, it is, um, we have like an average of for at least videos right now. I would have to recheck for images. Images are often like way more and I would have to check to get like a good average videos. It's like uh, roughly 13, I think. Um, so 13 videos per month, but those are not iterations. So those are like new ideas, new concepts, new approaches. Um, if you go into like iterations, then it can multiply easily because then it's like small changes. Then you can take those 13 and multiply them by three or four because we test different colors, different introductions to the main video itself. So then that can quickly escalate. Um, for playables, it is, I think, roughly two to four playables per month. There's also depending how hard is the, like how in-depth is the playable. Is it something easier? Something, um, yeah, just one button, for example, is like relatively easy to do. But if you have like a almost IMT clone in a playable so that you can play the game already in the ad, it's logically harder to create than something easy in this regard. So often... Um, goes in the, uh, in between those two points, and yes, so that's our current output at least. And uh, Tony, any insight as to how many ads uh, you folks over at, at AppLevin are making every month? Um, I, I, honestly, I don't know. Look, we build like an awful lot for our partners, and then also for our in-house studios. Um, I think I'd say the number of ads that you're making isn't as important as having like a very solid plan like the depending on where like a game is in its life cycle will really affect the amount of ads that you have to make if it's a new game you're going to be iterating much more on different teams and concepts than if it's a game later on in its life cycle but 
as long as you have like a testing plan in place where you're like creating new ads, testing, iterating and repeating, and then keeping track of all of your like wins and losses and also being focused on the bigger picture, um, then that's really the most important thing. Everyone's going to be, let's say, in some way limited by uh, resources. But as long as you're going about it very um, methodically, then I think that's what's most important. So when you're making new versions of ads and you mentioned that maybe we do 13 videos in a month, but also multiplied out by various variations um, for all of these variations that we're doing, is that just for A-B testing, you know, red button, blue button, uh, red button is better. Or are these variations also targeted to different audiences? Like red button is for, I don't know, Americans, blue button is for, you know, squirrels <laughs> or something. It's a mix of both. So in the iterations, you have sometimes um, some iterations which are more focused on different concepts or emotional approaches to an ad. So for example, one of the new ones we have right now is it has like a really satisfying ending to it. It's like a big explosion, a lot of cash resources. That's what works quite well for IMT as a quick disclaimer here. Um, and then we wanted to do the complete opposite. So now shortly before that situation, you have a fail situation, which leads to the, uh, to the ad being a ending and you're not satisfied with the situation. This can also be a test. We test uh, often stuff like that. But we also have smaller tests, which can be music tests. So we test different music in the background. Um, sometimes we test also different lengths. So maybe we can cut down the video or recombine it. We have, for example, one video, which is a recombination monster, so to say. I think we have like with this one quiff now, let's say, I think roughly 30 iterations of it. And it's just like recombining it. So it's like one video consisting of like, uh, three slots, so to say. And in each slot, you can recombine different features of the game. So in one, you go talk about that kind of feature and then you, you recombine it at a different position. So you can also do combinations of positioning. Do you start with the discovery or do you start with the cool super managers we have in the game? So then you can also like test stuff like that as well. So a lot of uh, iterations there as well. Yeah, so that's definitely a, a mix of both. Um, I try to go more for the bigger iterations since they have a bigger impact. It's hard to sometimes see an impact on a red-blue button uh, difference or so so small that you can't really say, okay, we now only do blue buttons forever and or only red buttons forever. Um, and But we all, what you also said about targeting, I think that's more interesting for ASO, for, for example. There are sometimes, especially colors or designs can be really helpful. For example, uh, um, we, what we saw for um, Idle Mail, is that logically we have like mailmans, right? So they are dependent on what do you normally wear. So in Germany, that would be yellow. And in other countries, they have other colors. So they are way, way easier to attract to those kind of color schemes because they wouldn't like would think it's really weird. They are yellow in America, for example, or in Russia or whatever. So you have to adjust something like that as well so that it fits to the audience you're trying to get. That's really cool. I'd never have thought about that, but that actually makes a lot of sense now that you say it. Um, so perhaps uh, on a related topic for Tony, uh, I am sure you are an expert in the color of the uh, kind of postal service workers uniforms, but perhaps on a little bit more of a broader scale, do you also have any kind of relevant experience and advice uh, for testing and targeting uh, perhaps from your perspective as part of a, an ad network rather than one of the developers? Um, so like. Internally on our platform, we have like a creative optimizer that optimizes towards the highest performing creative. Obviously, taking a step back from that, though, I think it's important that when you're designing different concepts, that 
you're really telling like a clear story to the people that you're trying to engage and you like understand their motivations and why they want to play a game. So within an ad, like we've got very like small amount of time to really connect with people right now. So having something important in the first, I'd say three seconds or so um, is absolutely key. And then reducing the cognitive overload, like you said, so that people can understand, let's say uh, that it's a mailman that we're trying to talk to here, that we're trying to show here as well. Um, and then like, yeah, connecting really with your users. Like another example that I have from like IMT as well is that creatives in Japan, um, the feature cherry blossomed, cherry blossoms worked incredibly well in May, um, because it really helped connect with all the users there. Um, on top of that, like ads that keep like building anticipation from, for users so that you make them want to engage are very effective and ones that like can be frustrating with fails, but also evoke a positive energy and a sense of achievement um, can work very well as well. Makes a lot of sense. So after we've done all of this testing and targeting, we know we've got the perfect video. We know exactly who we want to show it to, which country we want to, uh, how and where do we then actually get this ad to people? I imagine if we're making a playable where you can pretend to play part of the game, I imagine we're not putting that on bus stops. So how are we actually getting these ads to the players uh, within Calibri and kind of the wider uh, network scope as well? Um, yeah, so I think there's like effective marketing organizations utilize a wide variety of different channels, right? When it comes down to social networks, like Facebook or TikTok or Google, as well as the mobile ad networks as well. So you can tap into people who are currently playing games. That's places like AppLovin or like other networks like Unity or Iron Source as well. Um, but it's important that you're utilizing as many of the large networks as possible so that you can engage with as many people as possible. That makes a lot of sense. To that effect, you know, I said you shouldn't be putting playables on bus stops. Maybe you can with modern technology, you know, touchscreen bus stops and you can have a playable ad of your game on there. I'm not sure if I want to touch anything at a bus stop. <laughs> That's also true. That's, That's an idea. <laughs> Yeah, Stephen, do you see, uh, is there anything that you can add from the Calibri perspective for the uh, the places and the ways that we get these ads to our players? I definitely have to agree with Tony. So from what I know, I really try to spread it far and wide as possible to get like every kind of user possible. And it also often differs between um, what you, also what kind of creative you made. So if it's more, for example, gameplay heavy, you would have put it more likely on a mobile ad network. And if it's more narrative or you have a story or something like that, or you have like a really hooking introduction, it's really often important for social networks. Since people are not sadly interested in all, all of the time into games or in your kind in your game in that situation, if you're on Instagram and you see a story, it's not really that you're not there for the game. So you really have to get them in that situation. If you're on a mobile ad network, you're already playing games. So it's like way more or on your phone and way more likely to be interested in other games potentially. So there's also often a different approach how you um, would go about that. But yeah, definitely uh, different ones. And also you have to attack each of them in a different manner. They all need their own approach, so to say. You know, one thing I'm, I'm hearing um, you guys uh, start to say um, and then kind of hint at a lot um, is, you know, how you're optimizing these particular creative. Um, for somebody who's just getting started, um, you know, what, what sort of data is interesting? What's interesting to look at and what data is 
um, something that you're maybe taking into account for those those algorithms, particularly on the ad network side? Like, is it just clicks, views? Um, well, um, I'll kick it over uh, first to to Stephen, and then I want to um, know at like the higher level what the ad networks are are, are doing from from Tony. Right. So from my side, for for the ad operations, really important is uh, click through rate, so short CTR, and the conversion rate, uh, which is CDR, and both of them are really important. So you need to understand how many people click on your ad and um, how many then install the app as well. And there's also other things like um, in impressions and clicks, um, but they're also somehow already integrated often in the other things. So they're easier to, um, like faster to see if I have like, you have smaller numbers often. Like if you have like impression count of 100,000, 500, it's very hard to compare them. So there you have like a, a easier, smaller number, easier to compare. And it's very clear of the performance of the creative in many cases. And yeah, so that's for me in many cases, the most important. Also the installs per mile. Uh, so installs per 1000 impressions is also important. Um, it goes in the same direction, so to say. So it's like a combined um, version of the CTR and conversion. It's like from impression to install, how many people did, did you get out of that? Those are the main points for us, which we use then to optimize on. So to optimize, um, we have like, like I said, CTR and conversion would most importantly. And what we had a case uh, for a creative on TikTok actually, which was not too long ago, where we tried, uh, where we have like a really good CTR on the creative. So a lot of people clicked on it, but we really lost a lot of people at the conversion stage, so to say. And there, the first point is often like you have two reasons. So it was too like not quite people were not able to connect what they saw in the ad with the, what they saw on the app store. So this could be either that the app store is not well or good enough, or it could be that you were like the ad itself was well not showing really what they expected when they got into the store. So there you have like two options. You can adjust the app store potentially, but in many cases you're already optimizing on that and it should show something proper. So you try to optimize on the ad itself. So for example, adding more gameplay features or gameplay uh, elements. If you have more like a narrative approach at the beginning, you can can try to combine it with like a bit of gameplay or like transition from like a story into a gameplay feature, and trying to get people already somewhat uh, um, used to seeing the game, and then they switch over to the store. This could be something if you want to have a higher conversion and a click through rate. If we uh, have also the same case, um, that's important that you have a strong CTA, so a call to action at the end of the video, or sometimes some, some people also place it at the front. That's really important that it's, for example, for TikTok, it, we use a different CTA than we use on the mobile networks. There we have like a small, uh, for Idle Firefighter, we have a like small character, like uh, pushing himself up from the bottom of the screen and knocking on your screen and yeah, asks you to please install the game with tears in his eyes. Oh. Well, a, bit, a bit pressuring, <laughs> let's be honest here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this seems to work way better than our typical, hey, here's this phone, which uh, is now on the screen and you can see the game and there's like a download button below it, um, which works on the uh, ad networks better. But um, that's what I also mentioned. You have to adjust to the network you're uh, working with. And and Tony, um, you know, at, uh, at App11, um, I'm sure you guys are sitting on just like a, a huge mountain of data. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about like what, what data you're using um, as part of your uh, optimization process for creatives? Like, what's the, you know, what's the stuff that you're really looking at? Yeah, sure. So, a lot of the things that you guys already mentioned, um, like the CTR, the IR as well, 
Um, what I think is important on top of that is like the downstream metrics. So like whenever you're like building creatives or anything, it's kind of important to understand what the core value the team is trying to deliver is. Like whether it's just driving downloads or if it's looking or if you're looking for volume, but like also quality. So it's like really important for to have very smooth communication between let's say the ad ops team and the UA team in these cases so that people can know exactly what the goal is of what they're building. In terms of metrics, then like looking at let's say the downstream retention or the conversion to purchasers from different ads is very important because ultimately when you're buying users and paying CPIs, you a lot of the time want them to be profitable as well. So you so you do want to um, understand that the creatives that you're building are really matching towards that and aren't let's say these pull the pin type creatives, but are also giving users a better idea of the game so that the users that come in are going to be much more engaged. So then it's, um, it's, yeah, it's pretty holistic kind of optimization because you could have creatives that are really, really great for getting installs, but ultimately none of those users are actually converting or sticking around. Maybe they were confused about like the dissonance between what the game is and what, how it's presented versus some creatives that might not be so flashy. Um, but, uh, but people know what they're getting, they get in, they spend money and then you're, you're still satisfied. Yeah, and games are, you know, sophisticated things um, in general. Whereas like with ads, you are kind of trying to tell one one part of a story, right? Um, and trying to hook into one motivation. So really understanding, you can understand a lot from ads, um, what the motivations are that are bringing the players in and actually why they're sticking around. It's kind of comparable to other industries in my mind. It's the trailers for the movies. It's the blurb on the back of the bestseller. You know, it'll appeal to certain people depending on how it's been done. Um, but yeah, at least in our industry with these ads, we get to optimize and test and play around with it. Whereas I don't think you end up seeing 60 different iterations and versions of the latest uh, cinematic trailer for something. So that's at least nice that we can play around with it. Is there anything in the data, Tony, on your side at AppLoving that you can see which other companies uh, can't actually get themselves? So do you have any secret insights that we don't even know ourselves? No, no, I don't think so. Um, look, I think one of the strengths of the Spark Labs team really is that they've gotten to create um, ads for lots of the top games in the world, right? So they have like a much broader set of experience than, let's say, an idle um, like just working on idle games. And that can help because you're drawing on different genres and you're able to come at it in some ways in like um, possibly a more unbiased um, approach. So you can bring in like new themes or new concepts to the ideas of that creation. Do you think there's any more value in kind of being a specialist in knowing exactly how to market your idle game or having the broader range? Just uh, you, you personally, do you feel like it's better to be a master of uh, one or master of none? Uh, no, I think um, look, I think they're very complementary, right? Mm -hmm. um, like having a very deep understanding of a certain game category brings with it an awful lot of benefits. Um, whereas also having like outside eyes can also be helpful as well, right? <laughs>
Since we are um, plowing through all of these interesting topics at quite a rate, I want to make sure I squeeze one question in um, before we start wrapping up. And I want uh, each of you, Stephen and Tony, to give me a few bullet points uh, in answer to a simple but not so simple question. What is a good campaign? Tony, since you laughed at me first, you can go first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, look. I think a good campaign really comes down to like what your goals are as well. Um, so whether, I suppose, holistically, it's one that drives massive volume and also massive return on that spend, right? Um, but it's going to be different for every game and at the different like stage that the game is at. So when you're testing, you're going to want to be, want to be driving like kind of right, addressing a broader audience and then understanding the types why people will play the game. Later on, you're going to be much more focused on ensuring that your spend is highly profitable and that you're maximizing your overall net profit. Very good. Nicely political answer. Thank you. Covering all bases. All right, Stephen, uh, without um, being influenced by Tony, tell me what your perfect good campaign is. Without being influenced. Okay. So, well, you're allowed to be influenced uh, if you agree. I'll yeah. let you have that. You, 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 you can't use scale or profit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, well, without well, repeating well, any of the words. Campaign mostly. Um, <laughs> okay, so I will just give a, the, the additional answer. So for me, also uh, creative information. So for me, it's a good campaign if I get out of it and um, what works currently. So if I, I have a good campaign where I understand I have enough installs to understand the information um, to drive the next um, creatives we're creating, that's also a good campaign for me and also a, a good network where if we can do that to understand what we're supposed to do next. So yeah, I, I need something for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Excellent. And um... I think we are nearing the end of our time together today, but uh, we still have a bit of a uh, bit of time to go through our patented Colibri speed round. Oh, it's patented um, now. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> it's patented. That's yeah, I put in the application. <laughs> Patent pending. Um, it's still sitting there. It's a very complicated process out here in Europe. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so we're going to do a little speed round. This is where the, the hardest questions come in um, and you won't have much time to answer them, but we'll jump straight. Straight into that. Um, and so I'll start off with the first one. This is a big one. All right. Are you folks ready? One ready over here. If we have to. <laughs> if we have to. Stone faces on Zoom. Just what what are they about to do to us? Um, okay. All right. Here it goes. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Agree. Nice. Favorite animal? Cat. Definitely. Oh, cat. Yeah. No, that was just you agreeing with him from no, that tone no, okay, of voice. Fine. That's not your actual um, answer. What's your favorite animal? Give me your actual answer. Okay, for 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 the conflict, I'm going to say dog. Would you rather have a new phone or new clothes? New clothes. A new clothes. New clothes. Okay. Favorite game. Final Fantasy X or X or however you want to say it. Uh, the Battle of Polytopia or PUBG. Nice. If you could have any superpower, which one would you have? I would say flight, but I have I'm feared I have fear of heights, so it's a bit contradictory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. I uh, know I'd like an Iron Man suit, but that's not really a superpower. Um, uh, invincibility. <laughs> that works. That works. Invincibility. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it could be. Uh, as charming as Robert Downey Jr. Hey, um, with uh, 
You do. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Where's your suit, man? I want to see it. Um, and then uh, final one, which uh, is more of a demand than a question. Can you please recommend a book or a movie? that you think everybody either has to read or has to see. I'm going to assume before we even get to Tony, he's going to tell me Iron Man, but let's go to Stephen first. A book or a movie for us? Can I be a bit broad? I would be broader. I, I would say Ghibli movies. That's that's my point. There are a lot of good ones there. Uh, just pick one of those. Uh, they are really good. Uh, I love them. Especially if you're like more a creative person. Um, I think most people love them. Nice recommendation. All right. And then Tony, right. Mr. Stark, please. <laughs> uh, I, I got, you're asking me to choose my between my children of Iron Man 1, 2, and 3. So, uh, <laughs> like, really. um, no, I'll go with um, City of Bohane by Kevin Barry, which is a book. Can you tell us, uh, can you give us the, the elevator pitch of what it is and why we should oh, read it? It's like um, an Irish gang story set in like a fictional Irish city. Um, it's just incredibly entertaining. Hmm. Um, I consider me converted. You have a good click-through rate. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So that is now officially all we have time for today. So thank you, everybody, for joining us for the topic of ad ops and uh, user acquisition. Uh, Big thanks to everybody who's joined me today. So my lovely co-host, Nate Barker, of course. Yes, thank you uh, to my lovely co-host, Lauren Wade. Um, Big thanks to Stephen Mueller, who joined us uh, from his busy day, um, and creative management, and uh, also to Tony Dean um, for uh, joining us um, from App Eleven. Uh, we appreciate your time today, guys. Um, and uh, big thanks as well to our producer extraordinaire, uh, Barry McWilliams, um, and the entire uh, enormous staff of the Colibri podcast team. Um, there are hundreds of you out there, and you each mean so much to me. Um, we really appreciate it. Um, and we will see you all next week be sure to um, rate the podcast um, and check us out wherever podcasts are sold thank you very much thank you thanks guys thank you ciao for now